0: This
1: is David Daouda from Pliant Standards, LLC looking into the world of electronic recycling. Today is the 20th of May 2021 and I have the pleasure to host Dan Leaf of Resource Recycling. For those of you who have been in the ITAD or Recycling Space, there is probably no need to introduce Dan, but if you don't know him, he is the managing editor of Resource Recycling, Inc., which owns publications covering the sector, as well as the iconic Scrap Conference and other conferences. Thank you very much, Dan, for taking uh, a moment to uh, speak to me on uh, a number of issues. Uh, most of uh, p- the people that we talk to, our customers, uh, and especially on the ITAD front, probably uh, undoubtedly know you, I mean, you guys have been uh, front and center in terms of providing information and sharing sort of uh, almost on a day-to-day basis and what's going on in uh, you know, not only the ITAT space, but in the broader electronics and other recycling sectors, plastics, and you name it. But for those who may not know you, and there are a few of them that, uh, that probably don't, uh, particularly folks that may be in, uh, in the financial sector, for example, uh, why don't you go ahead and give a, a background on who you are, yourself, personally, and the organization you represent?
0: Yes, yeah, so um, I'm the managing editor here at Resource Recycling. In um, Resource Recycling, it it can be a little bit confusing to understand who we are. so. Um, We have a a flagship publication called Research Recycling that covers the municipal recycling market. So the stuff that's recycled, you know, at the curb and where it's then processed and moved into markets. And then also under that company, we have two other. Um, market-specific trade publications. One is called Plastics Recycling Update that um, covers the plastics sector, and then e-scrap news, which is really sort of the realm that we're talking in today. Um, that covers electronics recycling, uh, electronics reuse, and then, you know, as as the market has really developed over the last dozen, 10 or so years the this world of itad and the specific work of recovering electronics mm-hmm. um you know from more of the corporate institutional sphere and everything that happens to them then in, uh yeah and so um I have been with the company for about eight years now in, in some different editorial roles, but my job now as managing editor is really to kind of oversee the content in all three of those different sectors that we cover. And, um, and we also have a conference that's aligned with each one of those, um, titles. And so for instance, we have, uh, the East scrap conference annually. Um, that uh, that kind of covers that same market, and and I do a lot of work also developing the agenda and um, kind of the talking points that happen at that conference every year.
1: Mm, yeah, absolutely. So so resource recycling the way to, the, the way to look at it in a simple in simple ways resource recycling is sort of the big umbrella, and underneath it you also have sort of these uh, niche uh, publications. Plastics recycling update, I think, and and uh, e scrap news. Um, the the resource recycling part, I know you mentioned that it focuses on municipal activities. Does it cover sort of the entire broad spectrum of recycling, or 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 is it focusing on only let's say electronics and perhaps plastics? But are are we talking about really everything that comes from households?
0: Yeah, in in the resource recycling publication, we are we're talking about you know your cardboard boxes, your drink containers, um, all of that stuff that that is coming out of households and out of um, businesses as well. So that really is covering kind of like the classic curbside recycling that we're thinking about and and all of the b- materials in there. And so that's certainly a different world in a lot of ways than um, what we're talking about in ITAD and e-scrap. But uh, one thing that's that's actually really helpful for me about covering this very wide spectrum of materials moving into recovery markets is that there's certain patterns that you see at, play out um, around different commodities and different um, business models that are built around um, recycling materials or reusing materials or reprocessing materials. And some of those kind of, I think, foundational principles at the heart of recycling anything um, can cross over, you know, between the different sectors. And so that that's often a, an interesting vantage point that I have, um, and especially now w- over the last year as, as thing, so much has changed in, in every sector. Um, wow. But it's, it's kind of interesting to see what the similarities have been and differences have been um, looking across the different recycling markets.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, speaking of changes, uh, if I recall, uh, Jerry, who uh, owned the company, oversaw the company uh, for since its inception, I would guess maybe three decades ago, if I recall the uh, the history of the of the company. Uh, he he went on retirement, uh, I think, in 2019. Uh, well, just before COVID, uh, right. I suppose. Yeah. A lot of timing, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, And and everyone who is in ITAD knows Jerry very well. I mean, he has always been a a key speaker in in the conferences uh, that he organized, etc. Well, I was going to say what happened since then. How did the company evolve since Jerry left and the new management took over? uh, But that probably would intersect with what happened with COVID as well. (laughs) But perhaps if we can talk a little bit about... uh, the, the, the management style of, of, of the new leadership in the company, uh, uh, what I noticed is a greater emphasis or more frequency, if you will, in terms of uh, content delivery and broadcasting that you guys have been doing. Um, probably a little scaling back on the conference side because of the circumstances, but go ahead if you could share some insight on, uh, on how uh, things have evolved uh, since Jerry left.
0: Yeah, um, it's certainly been an action-packed two years here <laughs> at Resource Recycling, no doubt about it. But yeah, Jerry started the company back in the in the 1980s, um, focusing first just on on the the municip- municipal municipal uh, recycling marketplace and expanding over the years. And um, and he really was, as you said, I mean, a, a sought-out speaker, a real expert. Um, really knew more about recycling um than anybody I've I've ever met. And mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, and he, he may <laughs> by the end of his career have, have known more about recycling than anybody on the planet. I think Absolutely. that would probably be a fair assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did in, in 2019 he um retired and uh sold the company to a trade organization actually called the Association of Plastic Recyclers and that's a group um, that we had worked with very closely on our plastics recycling conference for a number of years. And kind of the, the values, I think, about transparency and um, clear information about the marketplace, we really aligned with them on that. And so it, it was really important to Jerry that all these, these three different segments of the company all stay together um, yeah. that was really an important um yeah kind of principle that he set when when selling the company and he wasn't going to do it unless that happened and in apr kind of understanding how our different segments work together um, both from a knowledge standpoint and a a revenue standpoint, because it is very helpful to have these three different products all supporting one another. They were they were on board with that. And so that has definitely been a commitment, a commitment that's been there. And um, yeah, and it has been a difference having, you know, Jerry over in the corner, kind of being able to summon him and ask him some, you know, very specific question about, you know, copper markets over the last 20 years or something like that. Um, and uh, and I, I can still reach out to him, you know, if needed over phone or email. But um, yeah, it's definitely different not not having him right there. And so kind of the person who is the, who, who oversees our company is, is Steve Alexander, who is the president of the Association of Plastic Recyclers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's so, we're all on the West Coast, he's on the East Coast. But we're, we're in pretty constant communication. So it's different. But, um, you know, a lot of I think the the focus, uh, again, on um, just clarity of reporting on what's going on in these markets is, is something that Jerry said and that that was what APR wanted us to continue to do. And so that really hasn't changed. And for us, yeah, uh, again, we we had three in-person conferences each year that were have been really important to to our company. And so, yeah, we've just had to adjust and um, find ways to bring these sectors together um, online through online conferences or um, different information sharing um, platforms. We've put on a a handful of online events now and Mm. we have one more that's scheduled this summer. The Resource Recycling Conference is gonna be held virtually And then our e-scrap conference is um, always held in the fall, and we held that in a virtual format uh, last year, which was a nice way to get people together. Um, But, you know, we're really hearing the market right now want to be able to get back together in person. And so we've got some – some some plans that we're just about ready to announce. I can't say anything quite yet, but um, keep an eye on eScrapConference.com, and uh, we're going to have some updates about what the fall event is going to be looking like um, very soon. And we're pretty excited about it.
1: Yeah, super. I look forward to 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 it as well. Like I can tell you that uh, you know I'm aware that many conferences are already taking place or will be taking place in in Vegas, for example, in right. Gen- in June. Right. Right, right so uh, between that and the fact that uh mask mandates are starting to drop uh people are willing to take the risks after they you know they uh, they get vaccinated uh i think you guys have a really good shot to uh, make uh, the uh, live conference happen in fall and uh, obviously everybody looks forward to it
0: yeah uh, and obviously will be all our decisions we will be kind of keeping Health and safety, I mean, is the top concern for our staff and our partners and our attendees, and so we're going to be, you know, making sure that that if we do something in person, that that we're going to be following whatever the, the health expert guidelines are. Obviously, um, but it does seem like, yeah, um, as as things open up, that there is it's looking like um, meetings in some form are going to be a possibility in the second half of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that from people that I talk to, you know, across different industries, that there there is a real thirst just to kind of have that ability to all be in the same space, even if there's masks or social distancing or things are a little different. But just to have that opportunity to reconnect and, um, you know, so much of this business is about personal relationships and and um, so much can happen in an in-person conversation or, or group of people that just can't really happen online right now. So,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so this is, so this is to me a, both an optimistic, but a predictable
0: sort of uh,
1: outlook, really. Um, I think what we've, uh, told most, most of our customers or our customers is basically, you know, watch for the most likely for the second half of 2021 as a robust year or a robust period, uh, but, but you know, uh, looking at the performance of uh, a number of industries that are adjacent to ITAD or recycling, uh, things haven't been really that bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, we, we don't have to wait until the second half of this year to say, well, you know, there's a recovery. The recovery, um, you know, is ongoing. And for most industries out there, for a number of key industries, there hasn't been a recession Period. In fact, uh, there's been a drop towards uh, the first, second quarter of last year, and then an immediate rebound in general. So, what, what's your what's your take uh, on how COVID affected uh, generally the um, the recycling space, uh, and more specifically as well the IT asset disposition that uh, that many of the people that are in that space are, are hearing you right now.
0: Yeah, well, I, I mean, I agree with you that there was, I think, for recycling like so many other um, sectors and, and so many elements of society as a whole in the, the late spring of last year it was uh, um, just a, a period of real un- unknown where I think the just everybody just kind of had to stop <laughs> to some degree what they were doing. And that had, you know, economic um, implications. But with that, uh, re- and when I'm thinking about recycling in general, you know, um, that maybe some certain specific programs were put on halt or, or kind of pilot efforts were put on halt, but, you know, material kept c- coming in. The, the process mm-hmm. of recycling, um, waste generation, that didn't stop at all. It, in mm-hmm. it, What we saw, you know, looking at curbside recycling, for instance, is that, you know, material stopped coming out of offices and some commercial um, business, business accounts because there was nobody working there anymore, mm-hmm. but... Everybody was at home. And so volumes in the household recycling stream really, um, you know, jumped up 10, 15, 20 percent in some communities. And so um, so that it it just took a a bit of adjustment within operators and the system as a whole. But uh, the the need was still really there. And so it it did kind of pick back up and um, and the the system kind of found its footing again or its new normal. And when I look go to look at ITAD, you know, I think at least what I heard from from different operators in the space was that yeah, there was this period of, okay, we don't know A what is safe and what isn't. So there's just a general pullback, some reduction in staff. At the same time, you know, the, the corporate sphere wasn't generating a whole lot of material. There wasn't a whole lot of material coming in, so there was this kind of lull um, that happened. But then, you know, as, as we started to understand what was safe and with masking, with social distancing, that that there could be actual people in the same spaces working as long as it was done in the right way, and uh, I, th- I think operators adjusted to that and were able to get back up and running, maybe not at full capacity at first, but at a, um, uh, a half capacity or, or something like that. And then, you know, it became really clear that there was this huge need in the marketplace for refurbished electronics to be moving into this completely, uh, readjusted workforce where everybody's at home and, there, there's a need for for laptops or different computers or different IT devices in a new environment, um, and that companies were, were really looking to fulfill this need. And with supply chain uh, kind of disruptions that happened because of COVID at the same time, the manufacturers of new equipment couldn't always fill this need in the way that they could in the past. So. We saw a huge uptick in demand and thus value for refurbished devices, and so that those, you know, uh, electronics recycler ITAD players that, that were able to adjust and position themselves um, to operate in in what what was happening last mm-hmm. summer, last fall, I think that they they really um, took advantage of a, an opportunity that was there. Um, to to service the marketplace. Um, And another thing, you know, that I heard was that, yeah, everything happens. Some, you know, companies that might have multiple office spaces realized it doesn't make sense for them to have those offices anymore. So there was a lot of decommissioning work and projects that were available um, to to the ITAD space as you know the larger corporate world um, adjusted to the new reality around around work and um, and distancing. And so again, these companies that were able to get good processes and and safety procedures in place and and could be agile and, and adapt, they were there ready to to serve um, this this kind of new need that was out there. And I think all of those factors combined lead to kind of what you were saying with um, actual you know, business growth um, in, a, in a time when maybe we expected things to fall off a cliff.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, if if you do a, a triangulation exercise like we did today, uh, just before our talk, uh, I went to check the um, the, the market performance of uh, three, four companies that are... Uh, operating in adjacent technologies or techno- adjacent markets. Sorry, uh, if you look at um, the uh, environmental uh, services sector, uh, a quick check on waste management, and we know waste management is is involved in a broader sort of waste uh, space. Right. But but it, but it you know but it certainly reflects a little bit of what's happening on the services part, particularly when you talk about municipal recycling, etc. Uh, it. It has reached, from what I understand today, the, 5th of, the 20th of May 2021, it has reached a, a record uh, share price of $140, almost $141. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's double what it had back uh, of 2000, uh, 2017. Uh, there was a, a drop naturally from uh, in the first and the second quarter, particularly the first quarter of 2020, but that recovery came back very very quickly, and so now, if you look at waste management chart, you will realize it's at its peak. If you look a at another adjacent market, that is the electronic distribution space, uh, looking back at our friends from Arrow, uh, very similar, uh, you know, performance. Where basically today its uh, share price, um, you know, reached. Uh, nears $121, uh, which is essentially double of sort of the average performance it did up to 2020. And there was a dip again to, uh, you know, sub, um, I would say, you know, sub $50, close to $40. And then today, uh, you know, there's been sort of uh, an upward trend reaching today 120 dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the performance of another adjacent market, the brand new computer market, that is specifically Dell Technologies, and we know that Dell does more than just the PC space. They they do services, that they do, um, you know, they do big enterprise uh, hardware, etc. The same story. Uh, it is today um, over 98 dollars, and, and that's uh, and it has it has seen a a minor downward adjustment in the beginning of the pandemic but it managed to recover and it managed to continue growing its share Mm -hmm. Uh, if you carry on into something a little very close actually to the space sorry the recycled commodity materials uh the story about sims is a slightly different and i think what you see is you see um since 2016, uh, a reduction in its share price, a slight recovery before the pandemic, uh, and then, and then a, rec- a recovery after the pandemic uh, recently. But it, 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 it's sort of not really growing very fast. And I think that's probably related to global demand for, for commodities uh, as well. Um, finally, another adjacent market, which is specific to the ITAT space, if you will, and that's the IT security space. Mm-hmm. Uh, I looked at this company called Fortinet, which, by the way, it, it's, it's a company that deals with that deals with uh, network security. So it's, it may not be necessarily a, a great comparison, but if you, if you look at the sort of the security IT security industry, uh, there too. I mean, the company in, in 2018. Its share price was forty three dollars, and today it reached two hundred and twelve dollars. And I know it's probably a lot of information to you know to unpack. Uh, what what do you make of these sort of figures? Is you know if, as as you look at the adjacent sectors in which an ITAD or even a recycling organization is involved in, could we say that what's happening? With these adjacent sectors showing momentum, positive momentum, is also a reflection of what's happening in the ITAT space. Knowing very well that most <laughs> ITAT companies are private companies, mm-hmm. they do not mm-hmm. share information, or they are a subsidiary of a much bigger company, and and at that point, they they are buried, and we don't know what's going on in terms of their financial performance.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess into the in addition to all the numbers that you just laid out there is the fact that as as the stock market has has done extremely well over over the last year and what has the leading you know sector been within that it is technology um and that that technology which is which is already a, a pretty hot business um, has become so central to life within the pandemic that um, it makes sense that that would um, be an area that would be doing very well right now. And my sense is that, yeah, when more technology is being deployed and, um, you know, these providers of, of technology and, you know, whether it be an in, in OEM or um, a, an adjacent company, when there's more, you know, assets moving out into the marketplace when there's more, um, you know, data center use happening as as people are using devices um, out in the world and in, in in networking. That all ultimately, I think, leads to um, a demand for uh, IT asset disposition and and service providing down the road. Um, so, as a whole, yeah, I think it it is uh, strong indicators for, for the market. And we've reported on a number of ITAD companies of, of all sizes that yeah. have um, that have found ways to expand over the last year or yeah, um, open addi- additional facilities or see new opportunities. Um, so, it, it does seem to be a, a time of of kind of you know if you were to ask me in March or April of 2020 what the overall climate would be it would be I would have been far less optimistic than I am right now.
1: What's your sense of uh, profitability in the space? Um, you know I mean you know how we've talked about uh, examples of these adjacent uh, sectors mm-hmm. that that are at least from a a market perspective an investor's perspective they're, they're doing very well they're, they're growing uh they're growing double digit even uh it, it's hard to take that sort of picture and apply it to the uh, specifically specifically the itad space in particular after um you know aero Left the sector in 2019. What's your sense as to why they they did that? Uh, is it a case of a, a company that uh, tried to fly a little too high?
0: Yeah, well, it's. I mean, I guess I'll, I'll start by saying that. Yeah, I I have not, you know, been able to to land an interview with a top Arrow decision maker that was in the room when they decided to to cut ITAD. I, I don't know the ultimate reason. Uh, I, I think obviously that happens, and the immediate reaction one has is that, oh wow, I guess ITAD isn't profitable or profitable enough for a company like Arrow to keep it as a division. Mm. Um, you know, and, and certainly like there there has to be some truth to that. If it, if if Arrow's ITAD was just killing it, <laughs> that like it's probably unlikely they would have cut the cord. It's also kind of profitability or, or you know profit viable profitability. It's all kind of in the eye of the beholder in a way where it's like, mm-hmm. is seven percent growth okay or horrible it, or or great, you know it it kind of depends on on what what that particular board of directors is is feeling and and what their expectations are. As I've talked to people around the industry, the takeaway that I got most often was that um, Arrow, you know, their their idea was to to take the ITAD business and to be able to, I think, apply some economies of scale, apply the efficiencies that would naturally come with, you know, one top-down management approach, look going out at a number of facilities in a number of regions, and that that by, yeah, kind of taking that kind of strategy that that they could um, really see some strong numbers within within ITAD. Mm-hmm. And the thing that, that people kept saying is that this type of service is so not conducive to um, kind of a one-size-fits-all approach, meaning that in every region where... You know, a company is operating, they're, 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 there's different needs, there's different relationships, there's different dynamics in play than they might see, you know, across the country or across the world or even like, you know, a state away. And certainly that there, there's a saying that all waste is local. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. That every system has to be very well tailored to the exact environment and the exact customer base um, that that a facility or a company is is servicing. And so maybe that trying to really do do this model of one company um, having a number of different outlets spread out across a large geography that 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 just doesn't fit for ITAD and, and that that's where Arrow um, maybe that their original strategy didn't fit with reality. But, and I think there's a lot of truth to that, but I've also, there, there's also other companies out there that, you know, are have a, have a centrally located decision-making core and then have different facilities or different partnerships out there Across the world and and bring um, a sense of consistency to them and are able to do that in a in a very um, strong and and uh, growth oriented way. So I you know which so it makes me be like I well I don't I don't know the ultimate answer you know maybe yeah. it was that arrow you know had had this particular strategy that some companies have been able to uh, pull off and that arrow just didn't quite manage it right, or that other companies have, have put that strategy out there and they are okay with um, smaller margins than Aero was ultimately. So it's, yeah. it's tough. the truth is in there somewhere, but I don't know where.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I, I think uh, one of the uh, information that I've heard in, in the beginning is the uh, acquisition cost for uh, Arrow uh, buying, you know, in Tecra and Techturn, and etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, was low, was low enough for it to make a quick decision. Uh, you know, several years later to discontinue the the operation. It's uh, it's probably didn't come as a big loss uh, for the company, and it, you know, I, I suspect the Itad didn't line up with the the core. Uh, competencies of the company which is really selling uh, brand new technologies and, and components etc uh, how do you tie that to end of life of systems philosophically it's a good idea on paper in theory it's a great idea mm-hmm. bringing together half dozen companies and trying to streamline all their operations into one like as you pointed out when in, 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 a, in, a, in a big world is, uh, it probably has been a big challenge. But, but then there has been a scramble for <laughs> getting uh, leg customers that, uh, you know, that Arrow had uh, from, um, you know, smaller competitors. And uh, wh- what's your sense as as how uh, the, the rest of the industry reacted? I do recall a number of press <laughs> releases coming afterwards.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: And, right. and I, I suspect, uh, you know, sales managers were very busy trying to identify Aero's customers. But what you says as to what happened, was was there sort of a, you know, a uh, like I say, a scramble for the, the customers or, or was it uh, smoother than that?
0: Yeah, I, no, I think scramble is a good word, feeding frenzy. <laughs> you know, we had a while, there was a few months where it seemed like we, it, our team internally as we were just, you know, Doing research, we kept coming across all of these, you know, targeted Google ads that would say <laughs> something like, "Are you a former Arrow customer? You know, we'll, we'll, we can service you now." That kind of thing, you know. So just like very, I mean, just blunt, <laughs> putting it right out there, like, "Are you an, a former Arrow person? We're here to help you." Which mm. I had never. I had never seen that kind of phenomenon take place. Yeah. It makes sense because there was so so many clients that all of a sudden, you know, needed ITAD help, and and I think one way ITAD has has really developed and strengthened is is the fact that um, that you know large um, enterprises have developed strong relationships with their service provider and so I think there was a lot of, of companies and institutions that maybe felt left in the lurch and so there was there was there was a big opportunity for um, you know established players and newer companies to really come in and, and try to win some new business and mm-hmm. yeah it was but it, it did feel like a frenzy there
1: yeah and, and so I, I personally would not blame the sales organization I in fact I Probably would have proposed to do the same thing is yes, go out there and make noise uh, about what uh, your capabilities are and that you could sort of uh, replace, uh, you know, Aero's operation. But is there a fundamental issue that most of these companies, ITAT companies, and not not all of them, I have to admit that there are a few extremely well run uh, ITAT companies, but the vast majority of them tend to have management? that is having a little problem identifying uh, forward-looking strategies. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let me give you a very simple example of, uh, I've been covering this space since 2003. And since then to now, the very first thing that typically owners of these companies or senior managers of these companies would tell you is that we have the best data security practice. And my answer is, well, gosh, prove it to me. Best, you have to prove it. You have to prove it. I mean, that's a big statement. And right. secondly, it's like if you buy a brand new car and the car owner will tell you, well, you know, we have optional CD player. Data security is there and it's got to be there. Uh, it's up to you, of course, to define or determine that you are the best and to explain it and to show it. But we, we are stuck between sort of the data security and the environmental stewardship um are, are is there something missing there that uh, you see in every other industry you see a lot of management evolution management improvement you see new technologies entering the space and i am personally not seeing that dan you probably are in a better position mm-hmm. because you may be dealing with equipment manufacturers people that actually make uh, you know recycling processes much more effective and efficient uh, but are we talking about an industry that is still uh, operate in sort of legacy terms like PCs existed since the 60s and the 70s? Well, you know, we're, we're we're recycling them the same way for the past 30, 40 years.
0: The common denominator that often is there when um, companies get into very bad positions in electronics recycling is that there is a race to the bottom on price and i mean price it's 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 you can't avoid it you know like if it's always going to be part of what one's um you know pitches to a potential client if you can do it at a lower price that certainly stands out um but often we've seen it in electronics recycling around a number of different issues but there is Companies that yeah maybe don't have all of the same developed systems or management practices in place, they come in and they they see an opportunity that they just lowball it on, on the price front and they get a contract and they get material and they just sort of um, have a bit of an attitude that we're going to figure this out as we go along. We just need to as long as we're winning contracts, we're mm. going to be doing okay. But you know, then if you're doing that and you're entirely reliant on the market price of the material that you're bringing in, you can't control when necessarily when markets are gonna when are gonna crash, whether that be the markets for a refurbished laptop or a market or the market for uh, a certain commodity that you're able to pull out of there. Um, and you don't know when all of a sudden uh, something like the plastics recovered from electronics, all of that was, was, was able to go to Asia for a long time pretty reliably, um, and then all of a sudden the, the door kind of got slammed on that, and so all of these processors here in the U.S. get stuck with this material that they don't have anything to do with. Now they have to actually pay quite a bit to, to send it to disposal. And so I guess getting back to that, if, if, if you're living and dying on the price that that you're you're charging you know as a service provider um it's a dangerous area for sure and so i i think the industry has really always been trying to move to a place of trying to educate i guess the um the enterprise client about hey this is what you need if somebody's coming to you and saying I am offering ITAD, here's what you need to be looking at from them. Here's here's what maybe a certification they should be holding should be, or what kind of documentation on the downstreams or just the way that they are um, able to talk about how they're handling material. Um, just to, so that those that are making the final call on who are, who are we choosing as a service provider know um, how to separate the real deal from somebody who might mm. be interested to work with. Um, yeah, very,
1: yeah an ac- Excellent points. Now, in, in the broad sort of recycling space that you covered, then, are, are there segments that tend to be much more prone or accepting or, uh, of new technologies, new practices, new ideas? I would imagine mm-hmm. if you are in a municipality collection business, uh, you better have some, some of the best algorithms to improve productivity through the use of technology and allows you to maximize your uh, your business. Uh, I, I would imagine it's probably more the case in in sort of this broad uh, distributed recycling world as opposed to the ITAD space, which is extremely targeted to very right. large enterprises and and maybe uh, they may not be necessarily. Uh, interested in in new technologies, but much more improving their management practices.
0: A couple of things come to mind. One is that yeah, looking at municipal recycling, they're they're typically you know it, your stuff gets picked up at the curb and then it goes to a place called the materials recovery facility or MRF, uh, kind of in the in the industry parlance, and uh, and that's the place where where all of that stuff gets separated. And so there has been a real – over the years, that, that's a place where there's been a lot of technology development to, yeah, um, separate all of this stuff, all the plastics, the, the metals – the paper in some cases, the garbage, (laughs) and that's all in there. How do you, how can, how can these, how can you get more of it moving through faster and more efficiently separated? And so there's been, you know, things like optical sortation and different types of screens. And now um, the latest thing is a push toward artificial intelligence where cameras are actually able to identify what's on the belt and know kind of what the attributes are. And then, immediately alert a kind of automated robotic arm to pull things off or keep things on. And, um, and we're actually starting to see that technology move into the electronics processing space, um, as it, you know, it, artificial intelligence and, and vision technology is something that has really, really, um, been growing fast over the last decade. And that, um, that it seems like there is a lot of possibility um, to to deploy that, perhaps Um, not just to sort of separate materials, but even uh, a load of um, assets comes in from a given enterprise account and that vision technology could very quickly determine – Look at that laptop and know in real time what the pricing realities are for it and know whether it makes sense for the company to move it to refurbish or move it to, um, you know, uh, deconstruction for commodity value or parts value. Um, So stuff like that, I think, could play a role. And and then I, I, I think looking at, you know, what what sets ITADs apart, like how do they develop stronger businesses? Some of it is, I think, just finding better and better ways to to know what clients really need and and to be there as sort of the the right-hand man or woman, so to speak, when it comes to uh, technology help. You know, Mm -hmm. you, you need to, you have a big refresh project yeah, we can take the equipment, but we can also organize all of the logistics. Maybe there's stuff that, that you don't want to get rid of organizationally completely. We can securely um, hold on to that for you and keep it inventoried and be there to to help you make the decision of when or if to redeploy. So really kind of being like a, more than just a, an end of life option, but a, a technology consultant. I'm seeing that a lot. And also, I think, just seeing some really interesting work on on invent inventory management software I mean more companies there's there's a lot of vendors out there that are you know able to build these systems that that can tell a processor um yeah what where everything is in the in the pipeline and what the value of everything is and what to do with material when when they get it, but also um, companies starting to customize that and build it in-house and in the sense of this, this um, yeah, business management software specific to ITAD and specific to the changing device and technology stream. Um, I think that there, there's a lot of interesting things happening in that space. And that, that's something that can really help separate um, one company from another
1: yeah and and you're absolutely right. there there are companies out there, Dan, that um, well, seemingly have nothing to do with itad um, because they are, let's say, a leasing or financing company. Uh, I noticed the uh, I'll give you the example of this company that's a huge corporation uh, that's uh, in i t uh, leasing and financing. Uh, but they do have a, a division that they call ITS at disposition. Uh, I will not give you the exact name so that we don't have to identify it. But clearly, uh, they don't touch nothing. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they are they are not in the logistics part. They are not in uh, in the processing part. They are not in the data security part. Uh, I visited one of their facilities in Mexico where they uh, refurbish uh, uh, big printers. And uh, the facility is managed by Flextronics. The uh, labor is provided by, by manpower. Uh, you know, the transportation is a different company. So what mm. what this company does is basically deals with the books, with the with the numbers. They're essentially number crunchers, right. <laughs> and they're right. doing it very well, by the way, very well because that's their core business. That's their expertise, and uh, they and they don't do anything else. Uh, now, obviously, if you are a pure ITED company, you may be doing some of that, right? I mean, because I don't—it's—it's uh, it's unlikely that you do material processing. Uh, but you're doing anything else? You're doing the data security aspect of it. You're doing the logistics of it. And and to your point, what else can you do to increase your your margin? And that's a tough one because now you have to compete with companies that have been in the IT services industry for decades, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but because you are a small company, because you hopefully have built uh, strong relationships with your customers, you could try to penetrate those markets uh, going forward. And, And that's where perhaps the innovation takes place, not so much on the technology side only, but on the management side. So speaking of that, many of our listeners, particularly the ones that are in the financial sector, uh, tend uh, to look to I- investments uh, and equity acquisitions in ITAD-related companies. And I, and, and I have to say that these days we've been talking to a major Japanese conglomerate uh, that's looking to purchase, believe it or not, assets here in the U.S. So there's still some appetite for uh, M&A, uh, probably more A, that is more, more, um, uh, more acquisitions than M, mergers, Mm-hmm. Hopefully, maybe we'll someday we'll see mergers because there are some many companies that have a lot of symbiotic capabilities uh, that could get together and 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 but we're not there. So I'm going to say, ask you this question that most of these investors on the financial side tend to ask me: uh, Can you share examples of companies that you think are doing really cool things? Uh, not just in ITAD, but you know any of the adjacent sectors that you follow? such as equipment and logistics and collection and recycling, et cetera.
0: There's so many companies doing so many interesting things that yeah. uh, inevitably leave leave things out and people will get mad at me, but I'm a journalist and so that's how it works. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I, so I, I would start by saying that any company, right, you know, considering we, we're moving through a pandemic, uh, all of these business sectors we're talking about are incredibly uh, competitive, that that anybody that is continuing to uh, grow at all, um, I would say, is is probably doing something pretty cool. That being said, it's just some some particular examples that come to mind. You know, looking at, at, at maybe across the sector. Uh, uh, recycling sector when it comes to technology there has there's a, a company called amp robotics that I, I mentioned sort of the artificial intelligence mm-hmm. uh, trend that we're seeing in sortation and, and evaluation of material and they have really been doing a lot in, in that area uh, a startup that has grown fast and, and has a, a pretty big presence um relatively based on on their length of time in the industry um, and that being said, then other, some other like big equipment providers, bulk handling systems, Van Dyke recycling solutions, both have, uh, rolled out really interesting artificial intelligence processes that, um, I th- yeah, I think this space is, is really, um, gonna, gonna see a lot of development in the years to come and, and they're integrating it with some of these other sortation systems that, um, That were already in place and really kind of creating holistic uh, processing solutions that are that are tied to um, visioning and market insight and um, so much more. So that's Mm -hmm. been a cool thing to watch Um, What I'm thinking about maybe some some processors in particular. um, There's a there's a, a company called ER2. Uh, that, that does ITAD and electronics recycling and reuse, um, and they they're based in Arizona, but they have they've opened a, a couple other sites in recent years. And I think one thing that's really cool about them is that they definitely have a, 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 a kind of a a social improvement streak to them, you know, where that they, they were honored in Memphis for you know, bringing a facility to an area in a downtown core that had been um, had gone through some tough years. And and by bringing, you know, innovation and jobs, um, they were they were honored for kind of a a community development type um, type thing. And I think that that, you know, there's an element of community service or, or, or that type of thing, which has always been part of the, the corporate conversation. And it's, I think can be seen as something a bit, you know, tied to PR and goodwill. And there's a, there's always been an understanding that that's good for business. But I also think that the time we're in right now, it, it's becoming more important. I think that companies are going to be feeling more and more pressure, you know, from different stakeholders to be um, really teaming with partners that are keeping things like equity, diversity, environmental justice, community development uh, very close to their core values. And so I think it's we're, we're in a stage where that kind of thing is, has moved beyond just do-gooder to um, must-have for business. Um, mm. You know, the, obviously... So so many factors at play and, and who knows how if the, the time period that we're in is something where we it slips away and we we enter into a space where it's not so central the conversation. But just from where I sit and I see this across the industry, that that is there's something to that, I guess, atmosphere around business and social justice that um is is definitely powerful and new to me.
1: Absolutely. And 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 you probably answered parts of my last question to you, Dan, and it's about, well, if you're able to see what's going on five years from now, <laughs> uh, looking at the five years horizon, uh, what would you recommend vendors to consider? I know that, um, you know, I know that the next year or two years, uh, things are going to be very good for the sector by virtue of uh, the fact that uh, this year's Current installed base of, uh, of IT equipment, mostly PCs and smartphones and tablets, uh, is going to exceed 6 billion, according to various calculations. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, as, as you've seen, the shipment data from uh, IDC and Gartner points to an extremely strong momentum in, in the space. So I, I think it's fair to say that over the next couple of years, perhaps even three, uh, you know, the, the, the industry in general is going to keep extremely busy if they get their act together, right? For those who get their act together, to your point, that have other things uh, that they can demonstrate to their customers that are of a value. But if if you are you able to speculate what's going to happen after that?
0: There's a part of me that feels that there could be a certain wave that we see where... You know, you mentioned Arrow before, where I think Arrow's introduction into the space as such a big name and and its footprint what you know, what was pretty large in in ITAD, and then it falls off, and it, that seemed like a moment in a way where ITAD became a game of smaller individual operators kind of finding their own way and finding different ways of doing things and and as you mentioned the it does seem like we're entering a space of, of growth and so it seems to me the natural occurrence would be that there there would be an enlargement of, of, of companies and maybe a sense of consolidation um, and probably, it then hits a point where another company makes a decision like arrow, (laughs) you know, and we go to the smaller, it seems like that seems to be the general flow within the electronics recovery as a whole, kind of this, I don't know. It almost feels like, uh, an in breath and an out breath where it's getting Mm -hmm. up and down and up and down. And because I think both, both strategies are, Really have their place based on market conditions. Whether you're you're really localized and small, but then you know being larger and, and having a larger footprint starts to make a lot more sense. But then you end up back in this waste is local type thing. And um, so that it, I I, I kind of just see that pendulum mm-hmm. continuing to swing.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think at the end of the day, to your point as well earlier, I I Tad is. This- uh, has been sort of tied to, largely, to sort of the distributed uh, PC device market. Um, generally, desktops, laptops, uh, and whatever else, the peripherals, etc. Uh, one of the things that, uh, that everybody knows, you know, uh, two other major branches of the sector are critical to the, to the uh, profitability of the space, and that is uh, the smartphones mm-hmm. and the data centers. And in in both cases, most companies that are sort of the forefront of itad typically don't are not key players in in those spaces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the smartphone market we know it's a, a extremely lucrative market, particularly if the device is one of the state of the arts, the you know, an iPhone or a Samsung. Uh, but but that escapes the, the itad space because it's it's rolled into sort of a three four year cycle that uh, the likes of AT&T and Verizon and etc. want you to be locked in. And so, you know, h- how do you break that challenge? Do you now, you know, attempt to become a service provider for these companies? And even that, it, it gets really hard. And probably the same thing applies to the data center where it's really enterprise class stuff. Now you're getting really bigger companies that even we may not even know their names. At least the <laughs> general public doesn't know their names. So uh, but uh, I, I do agree with you. I think that there's going to be a pendulum of you know good growth and stability and then crisis, etc. I, I do s- see the opportunity for uh, f- for the M part of the m that is merger. Uh, so far, we've seen with Arrow a frenzy of acquisitions because all of the companies that are uh, that are acquiring are companies that want to expand their uh, their product portfolio and, and their capabilities, I would be really interested to see two, three, four companies that are small, each of which has expertise that are able to actually bring their their capabilities together. And right. it's extremely difficult. Why? Because typically the owners of these companies are family owned. They're super private owned. They may not see the value. It's, it's very difficult to break. This is very different than sort of the big corporate world where M&A is day-to-day bread and butter for them. Uh, for smaller companies, it's how do you go from being family-managed, owned and managed, to now talking about, um, you know, mergers. Uh, and So that, that's going to be the challenge. But I think for people like you and I who are tracking, covering, following the space, uh, I think it's going to be a very interesting couple of years to watch. And, um, you know, in conclusion, I, I, I hope that it's going to last beyond two, three years. And with that, Dan, you have it's been a, a fantastic hour conversation, a little more than an hour, I think. And really appreciate your time. And, and again, as I said in my introduction, I'm a big fan. And believe it or not, you've got a lot of big fans out there <laughs> who read your content and, and kudos to you and kudos to the work that you do.
0: Well, thanks so much uh, for having me, David. It's, it's been really good to be here and it is certainly um, such an evolving marketplace and uh, the rollout and transformation of, of electronics is it's not dying down anytime soon. So I think there is a lot of opportunity for, for those that are, are willing to roll with it all.